Episode 6. Why is cannabis still illegal? Plants for Life podcast is straight conversation about plant-based whole foods, also known as ITEL lifestyles, for health and wellness with a special focus on cannabis. Felicia Dawson, MD, cannabis advocate, educator, dual board certified physician, obstetrics, gynecology, and integrative medicine. Oski Shivanyi, fourth generation Jamaican herbalist, plant-based nutritionist, indoor cannabis cultivator, and veteran cannabis pioneer. And Marilyn Pierce, RN, author, speaker, and cannabis advocate. Join us as we discuss nutritional plant-based lifestyles, including cannabis. Why is cannabis still illegal? Well, in my humble opinion, I think it's still illegal because of the same reasons it became illegal the first time. Greed and racism. At the time, back in the 1930s, when cannabis and hemp were part of American mainstream, plastics to petroleum, petrochemical, pharmaceutical industries were just popping off. And cannabis and hemp were competition. First drug czar, Harry Anslinger, had a hate for blacks and Latinos, Latino immigrants who were coming into America at that time. So he helped to orchestrate a huge propaganda campaign to get cannabis prohibited. Today, the pharmaceutical industry and other corporate interests are helping to keep cannabis illegal. The pharmaceutical industry is the largest lobbying organization in America to the tune of $270 million a year that they put into our politicians' pockets. And not only are they funding politicians, they're also putting some money into these prohibition groups like Smart Approaches to Marijuana. They even have looped in a few organizations like the NAACP, some, some chapters are actually doing the pharmaceutical industry's work by saying that cannabis is the next big tobacco and alcohol, when in fact cannabis is nothing like those two things. Tobacco and alcohol have no medicinal value. Cannabis does. Tobacco and alcohol kill people every day. Cannabis never has. The racism piece that's still going on is the prison industrial complex. The marijuana tax was actually found to be unconstitutional by the Supreme Court in, I believe, 1969. And immediately, President Nixon renewed the war on drugs and helped to develop the Controlled Substance Act, which made cannabis illegal again. And he mainly did it to control, again, blacks and Latinos and hippies this time, hippies who were protesting against the Vietnam War, blacks who were feeling assertive and like they can go toe-to-toe with white people from the civil rights movement. So he used cannabis, again, to control black and brown bodies. In addition, we have the prison industrial complex, which 
profits on the number of black and brown bodies within the walls. And the last thing about that is the 13th Amendment, which allows slavery to continue if you are incarcerated. So in my opinion, cannabis is still illegal for the same reasons it became illegal before. Greed and racism. So what do you think about that, Oski? Why do you um, think cannabis is still illegal? Dr. Felicia, you explained it perfectly. There's no other, there's no better way to explain that. What I understand about cannabis being illegal and it still being illegal is to me, I believe that the, the same companies that made it illegal are doing everything they can to stronghold it as well. And that's why it's illegal because they're trying to break it down into tiny pieces and turn it into isolates and tiny little fragments that they can use or that they can basically make it into plant pharmaceuticals and they can continue to market and sell in the same fashion they have pharmaceuticals in it when it's kind of gone. So I think that it's it being legal right now, it continues to be just be so they can slowly but surely bust it down to tiny little pieces and turn it into a pharmaceutical to sell to the people as they have done every other plant uh, product that they have come across. And that's probably why it's illegal. Until there's some equity in the conversation about cannabis being legal, it being legal doesn't really, put it this way, it being legalized in the wrong way can not only keep the problem that we're fighting at hand can make continue, but it can enhance it, basically. Well, you, you remind me that the, about the greed part. Right. That, you know, the pharmaceutical industry has been making synthetic versions of components of the plant because they realize the medicinal value it has. There's, I have never heard of or read about research a plant as complex as cannabis. There are a lot of medicinal plants out there, but this this plant here is probably one of the most complex plants that has such a wide range of actions. And the pharmaceutical industry knows this. They know that this plant can replace, on average, five of their medications. And as our populations get older and the average elder is on at least five medications, this plant can replace all of them, most of them. And right. they know that. And that's part of the reason why they're keeping it illegal right i mean you can't very well <laughs> create the amount of smoke and mirrors and lies and deception that you have for the last 80 years and then come out and say oh we've been lying sorry so it, it's not just gonna go they're gonna have to like reverse it slowly what they have done the, the web of deceit that they have created has to be unwound slowly and carefully because they're still trying to look like they're a, a nation that doesn't lie and deceive its, its, its uh, citizens. <laughs> and in America, we do have such a short memory because physicians used to prescribe cannabis medicines right. uh, at the beginning of the 20th century, from the mid-1800s through the early 1900s. So, you know, we, we've been using cannabis as medicine, and Harry Anslinger was successful in getting it outlawed because he called it by a different name. He called it by marijuana. And that's what got it past the people. That's what got it past physicians. And because even physicians were pleading with Congress, don't make this illegal. We still, it's very helpful. <laughs> we need to research it. Do not do this. But Congress ignored. They ignored, sorry, the American Medical Association's um, 
physician or slash attorney. When you say that one word, that they change the, they change the name of it, it leads me to, a, um, to, to the to understanding that spelling, the root word of spelling is spells. And um, the things that they write, laws, the law books, and all that, it's just, it's all a bunch of language. It's terminology. <laughs> and it rules over everything. It says what is and what isn't. And they can control the, um, they control people's minds and movements with the simple stroke of a pen. It's a real reason why the pen is mightier than the sword. One word change, and they completely deceived the entire population of the planet about what this thing was, except for the folks who knew. Right. And America also exported their war on drugs to the rest of the planet. Just like they do trade embargoes and all that, they, when they made it illegal here, they insisted that the rest of the world follow their lead. Yep. And they you said, if you don't do what we say, we're going to cut off trade to you. And that, I mean, they, that's right. a little trick and they still do it. Right. Which is what made Jamaica, landed Jamaica on the front lines of the war on cannabis. Um, there was a couple factors, man, political factors. In, in that time right there, this was also around the time of the, um, like when it came back in the 60s, right after the time of the Cold War, whatever it was, right? Cuba and Jamaica were, the one, one side of politics in Jamaica was down with Castro and Cuba, and one side of politics was down with America. So America had the CIA down there already arming the crap out of people fighting a war on the street about political stuff during this time. So it wasn't much for them to just step in and also just add cannabis to their, the CIA add cannabis to their agenda of deception and, and political pull because it, they kind of use, they, they kind of use it to militarize the, the, the police. And um, it caused a, a, a significant war down there, basically. Hmm. I remember you telling me something about you all were using cannabis on a regular, you know, it was, not, it was not a thing. And then suddenly the culture shifted and it became something right. that wasn't tolerated or not out in the open kind of thing. Right. When it first became illegal, see, my, my grandfather, he was born in 1906, and he was a farmer all his life. The farm was functioning and up and running, and the, the, the staple of the community, that's where everybody went for their food, medicine, or whatever, by the time cannabis became illegal. It grew indigenously at this point. It was not from Jamaica, but it had assimilated in there because the Indians had brought it centuries before, and it was already there in culture, in ritual, and in medicine. And everybody knew about it and used it. Some folks practiced it in ritual, and some folks practiced it in medicine, or used it in medicine. But no one grew it for harvest because it was already a wild-growing plant, and cannabis, as you know, is a weed, or a classification of a weed, which just means that it's super prolific. It, it grows very easily, and once it, uh, it likes an environment, it will just reproduce itself all over the place. It's an annual, but those seeds are, if anybody's seen a cannabis plant seed, it's a, it, it pops seeds, and it, and it will drop and filter those seeds, and animals love to eat it. In fact, if you look at if you listen to one of Peter Tosh's old songs, he talks about ants eat it. It's constantly getting, it'll get transferred wherever, wherever it is. It'll get, it'll get put around that environment by the, by the animals as well, because animals love it. So what, what can we do to get the federal prohibition lifted on cannabis? Maybe Marilyn can jump in there and 
tell us a little something about the MORE Act. The MORE Act. It's an acronym, M-O-R-E, and it stands for Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act of 2019, sponsored by Senator Kamala Harris, who, of course, at this time is now the running vice presidential candidate for 2020. What the MORE Act does is essentially removes cannabis from the Schedule One category. If it becomes unscheduled, then it is no longer in a discrepancy between federal, the federal law and the state law. The other thing that the MORE Act wants to do is provide money for social equity programs and also a, provide a policy for expungement of federal offenses. These are federal laws and federal offenses. So it's not going to help the people who are locked up in county or state prisons necessarily. But if, if they're locked up for federal reasons and federal offenses, then there's a opportunity for expungement. What they want to do is tax all cannabis, 5%, and create this fund. And that will be the way that they fund the opportunity to do the social equity programs, which they would like the social equity programs to support those who have been negatively impacted by the harsh laws to be able to be entrepreneurially positively able to work in the cannabis industry. It's a lot of things that it, it also asks for, and I'm not sure if all of these things will go through. They would like it to be that people are able to have their expungement of their sentences by doing this that makes them eligible then to get these cannabis licenses. The other positive thing that it would do if it were made legal or taken off schedule one federally, it would take away the difficulty people are having trying to get financing for any kind of cannabis industry at all. Because as we stand right now, the state laws and the federal laws are not in alignment. So ultimately, we need to get the MORE Act passed to get started on this road. It's somewhere in the House and Senate. I would encourage everyone to go and look and keep an eye on it. There should be a vote sometime in the early fall of 2020. I would like to pick up there because cannabis should be descheduled completely. I think it's kind of slick that they say remove it from Schedule 1 and then they just move it down to Schedule 2 because I know initially they moved CBD that's used in Epidiolex to Schedule 5 and then quietly moved it from Schedule 5 completely out. So it's completely descheduled, the, the CBD that's used in Epidiolex. So I definitely agree with cannabis being descheduled completely. Number two, I think it's about education, education, education in order to get the, the, the federal ban lifted. Our all healthcare workers should be educated about the medicinal benefits of cannabis. It, it, that's just something that should be taught in every medical school, every nursing school, every pharmacy school, chiropractic, everybody. Everybody should know about the medicinal benefits of cannabis because the bottom line is that physicians are only taught that it's a drug. We're not taught that it's a medicinal benefit. Only 14% of medical schools to this day even mention the endocannabinoid system, the system that the cannabis interacts with. We, we produce our own cannabis-like molecules within our body, and, and most physicians don't even know that. Number two, we have to educate our legislators. 
they are still stuck in the old school of thought of the war on drugs and all drugs are evil. Our politicians are making these rules um, that are dealing with our own, our bodies and our health. So they need to be educated. And lastly, the public needs to be educated. They need to understand that cannabis is part of criminal justice reform. It is not just something that a few people want or need. Uh, cannabis is an economic issue. It's a criminal justice reform issue. It's a medicinal issue. It's, it's a lot bigger than just getting high. So education, in my opinion, is a must in terms of trying to get the federal ban lifted. And lastly, I, I feel that we have to vote. We have to get out and choose leaders that reflect our priorities. Right now, our politicians are acting on behalf of, of the rich and the powerful, the, the 1% of America. They're not, they're not legislating and standing up for what the public needs. Right now, most Americans believe that cannabis should be available for those who want to use it medicinally. But our politicians are behind. So I, I think voting in the right leaders would be helpful. Now, I know, Oski, you don't really think that voting makes a difference. And I, I would love to hear what you think about that. Well, I believe more in the state, the state process. Local politics, to me, is the only politics I probably have any sort of faith in. And because I've seen that you can actually have an agenda, as the cannabis community did, and show up in that courthouse and threaten those council people's uh, jobs and whatnot, and they can see on your face that you're dead serious, that you will go out there and get stuff signed up and have people out there voting them in or out of office. I seen the looks on their faces when the courthouse was packed with people upset with their choices, right on hand. And I seen the changes made because of them too. I've seen things, I've seen politicians who said one thing, change their whole, their whole stance and say something completely different, which is, <laughs> pretty much what they all do, but I've seen it be affected by individuals with boots on the ground. Whereas I don't have that much faith in the federal uh, level of stuff, but if I'm not mistaken, the state is what leads to the federal because it's, it's the state representatives that are sitting in the federal house making the collabor collaborative decisions, right? So, Well, when I say vote, I don't mean just vote for president every four years. I mean vote in every election, local, state, and federal, because change is going to come from the local level. That's where we're going to get term limits, and we can get the money out of politics. Because right now, when they get up into the federal level, the money is just ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous on the state level. Right. But it's the people coming from the individual states that go to Washington, D.C. and sit in the, con in the Congress. Those are all state people making right. those laws in the House of Representatives. Those are all state people making those laws in the Senate. So I think we have to work for change on the local level so that we can get this plant free. Right. And um, I think that that's a huge point. People spend all their time focusing on this one election. When really, if you haven't voted throughout the, the midterms and gotten with representatives that you needed to be in place, 
then it doesn't matter who the president is because they can't do anything unless the, 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 the collaborative of, of that's going on in the state house there has been or is is accepted. The, credit, the president pretty, just, pretty much just write the checks. So if you haven't voted throughout the year and got who you needed to be inside from, your, from the state level, then you pretty much can't control what happens when the president's in there. But whoever is the president doesn't have enough control to change things. You have to change that already through the local level, basically. And I think folks who don't know this are just constantly bickering back and forth about who's going to be president when they haven't paid no attention whatsoever to any sort of local level stuff. And that's how I was. I've never been into politics, period, but I definitely didn't pay attention to, to local stuff. To get the federal ban on cannabis lifted is going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us to educate ourselves on the medicinal value of the plant. It's going to take the entire healthcare system being educated on the medicinal benefit of the plant. It's going to take educating our lawmakers. It's going to take voting in every election, local, state, and federal. So let's make it happen. And I think, in summary, it needs to be said that how it becomes illegal is super important. Folks need to understand this plant as a whole plant, nutritional, supplementive plant. And if people don't understand it like that, then they will get it as a pharmaceutical, busting down to pieces with less of its benefits and more side effects and have people on the same big pharma teat that they have been on for the last 80 years in its absence. Otherwise, you got a plant pharmaceutical, which is pretty much the base of all of them. Well, thank you so much for coming out and chit-chatting with me, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right. Till next time. Till next time. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast. Also, look for us on YouTube and at plantsforlife.com. Plants for Life. Plant-based lifestyles and ancient nutritional treatment strategies. Plants for Life. The ideas presented in this podcast are meant for general informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. The Plants for Life podcast and Plants for Life LLC and all affiliate subsidiaries disclaim any liability for any damages arising out of reliance on the information presented. Please consult licensed professionals for any medical, legal, or business advice.